0: Let's go.
1: You are listening to Dollars and Sensibility, the podcast that explores the numbers, concepts, and behaviors that shape your financial life. Hosts, business partners, and friends Bill McBride and Andrew Martz are financial advisors in Hollywood, California, that for a combined 35 years have helped thousands of individuals and businesses better their financial futures. Here, They want to open these discussions to you, the listener, share the many things they have learned, and of course, how to be sensible about your dollars.
0: Welcome back to another episode of the Dollars and Sensibility podcast. I am your host, Andrew Martz, here with my good friend and co-host, Mr. Bill McBride. Bill, how are you this Friday afternoon? I'm
2: doing phenomenal, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Hey, I got a question for you.
0: The question of the day, as you will. Did you have a favorite cartoon character growing up?
2: Yes. Yes. My, my mother used to tell me that my favorite character was Hercules. And I don't even remember the cartoon. But there was uh, you know, Mighty Mouse, Underdog, Captain Caveman was a big one. But if I had to pick one that was my favorite looking back, it'd be Daphne from Scooby-Doo. For sure. Daphne? Daphne from Scooby-Doo. Remember the redhead with the blue dress?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. She was awesome. That seems like the type <laughs> of crowd you would have hung out with when you were...
2: The, the Mystery Machine crowd?
0: <laughs> yeah. You yeah. seem like a Mystery Machine crowd kind of guy. Uh,
2: you know, aspiring Fred, but probably a Shaggy here and there, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, was your, what was your favorite cartoon character?
0: <laughs> Undeniably, Bugs Bunny. I mean, Bugs was, you know... He was the top of the top. And my favorite Bugs episode was when he was playing baseball against a team and Bugs played every single position himself.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I Classic
0: that one. Bugs Bunny.
2: <laughs> Bugs Bunny was
0: the Beatles of cartoons. He really was. The yeah. John Lennon of cartoons. <laughs> By the way, today's question has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today. But in our 15 years of friendship, I just didn't know. And I think that's an important thing for friends to know is who your favorite cartoon character is. Uh, Anyway, I am excited for today's topic because we right now are in the age of entrepreneurship. And there are literally more small businesses in the United States today than ever before. And whether it's your side hustle, your main hustle, you know, doing something with friends as a project that turns into a business, we see new business growth, specifically small business growth, exploding in America today. So here's let's just set the, the framework in some context with some statistics around what's going on. So this is according to the SBA, the Small Business Administration. There are today 31.7 million small businesses in the United States. So they define small business as a company with 500 or less employees to it. Okay? So that's that's who we're dealing with. Anybody with less from no employees up to 500. 25.7 million of those small businesses have no staff. Okay? So that's an that's an, an astounding number. So that's the the vast majority of small businesses Are individuals starting a company doing something on their own. Six million businesses obviously then have employees and and paid workers. And ninety nine point nine percent of all businesses, of all businesses in the in the US today are small businesses. That's hard to believe. 99.9%. 99.9%. So that's that doesn't mean that's, you know, that they account for that, you know, GDP or this isn't revenue scale or anything else. It's just the number of of businesses. So Amazon in this equation only counts as one business. Opposed right. to your aunt Sally who's selling flowers on Facebook, like she is also one business. So she has an equal part in this statistic as as an Amazon would. So 99.9% of all businesses are small businesses. It,
2: is my math right here, Andrew? Does that mean we got 3,170 businesses with 500 employees or more?
0: Yeah, so it's probably somewhere to that, right? Last last recorded, there was something like four... 4000 4500 publicly traded companies and some of those publicly traded companies probably are classified as small businesses according to the SBA less than 500 right. employees. Right. So yeah, that you are you are right. So that's, you know, 3000 or so businesses that
2: have more than um, 500 employees. So what do you attribute this to? Why? Why why the explosion of entrepreneurship?
0: I think the easy answer would be we are living right now is what we all define as the information age. And we are connected through technology, as you and I are right now, recording this podcast through a live stream on uh, with our friends over at Riverside FM. And, you know, we can be anywhere in the world but reach thousands or hundreds or millions of people at at once. So it allows us to connect to consumers, so if you're a business, right, the lifeblood of your business is a customer, client, consumer, whatever you want to call that that end user. The other thing is, you see, specifically in America, a lot of businesses are trending towards service-based businesses opposed to products-based businesses or goods-based businesses. So people who are delivering some sort of service, which can come in many different shapes and sizes. So I think those two things stand out to me as big contributors to a huge, huge increase in, in small business ownership.
2: Yeah, it really calls to mind the um, the entrepreneurship of the '50s, '60s, and '70s, where you know your your parents or grandparents saved money to open an ice cream shop around the corner. That was a small business. Maybe they employed a cashier or, or you know, three to five employees. Um, but yeah, like you said, with the, with the technology explosion and the information age, the service model certainly has become more prevalent. And it's been a lot easier too, right? So the technology not only gives people the opportunity to create different businesses from a service perspective, as opposed to the the products. But it's also easier to establish an S-Corp. Um, you know, you get on a, a website and you pick a name and you got a website and now you've got a, a virtual storefront. That's exactly you right. You don't have to stock the shelves, right? And many of these big businesses, that
0: we are talking about this, the the point one percent of businesses today. So Amazon, Google, uh, even companies like Shopify come to mind. They are essentially platform companies. So what they've done is they've now created infrastructure and environments for individuals to open that that virtual ice cream shop, right? So you can, literally, if you want to sell ice cream, you can sell ice cream. And all of that back-end stuff, right, the order processing, the payments, the shipping – all can happen by one of these really large companies that have set up infrastructure to enable that. So now you just see literally thousands of people selling their favorite products, right? Kids toys, books, things for for pets and animals, you name it. Whatever you you're into, whatever you like, you can now design and create a business around it because all of the other things in the infrastructure that are required are provided by the marketplace. Really incredible. One of the I think key differences and something that everybody should be aware of. In As I read these statistics, 6 million businesses employ paid workers uh, out of the 31.7 million small businesses in, in the U.S. today. Owning a business is very different from being a business. So let me explain what I mean. Owning a business means you are the organizational leader. You're the visionary. You're the one who sets the course for how the business will solve the, the problems that its uh, customers are dealing with on a day-to-day, you know, today and into the future, whether it's a, a products or a service-based business, the owner is always going to be focused on the big picture ideas and probably isn't dealing with a lot of the day-to-day operations or some of the minutia. That business, assuming it's, it's profitable, you know, generates revenue and cash flow for the business owner, regardless if they're clocking in or showing up to the office or working that day. If you remove the the owner from the business for a day or for the week, that business will still continue to operate, will still continue to serve customers and probably still continue to get new customers through the door, whether it's a, a physical or a virtual door. So more on why that's important later. But let's also discuss what it is to be a business.
2: So well, be a business or what we were calling solopreneur is really somebody who works for themselves, they get to decide what they do, when they do it, and who they do it for, but they are the ones doing all the work. They perform all the tasks of the business. They're doing the marketing. Uh, accounting, customer service, operation sales, everything that goes along with running whatever particular business they're in, right? So if you remove that person from the business, the revenue stops. And, and oftentimes, there's, there's very little automation, maybe some freelance help, but you know, no formal staff. And that is the, the vast majority of businesses in the US today. And going back to those numbers, Andrew, you know, it looks like you know, the 25 0.7 million small businesses that have no staff, we could really classify them as solopreneurs, right? That's right.
0: And now to be fair, solopreneurs in that, because uh, I know we're going to get you know emails and, and comments about this, you can't have automation, you can have things in your business that are happening for you, even while you are not working, which has really been given to us by technology. So technology enables us to do that. But In my opinion, there is still going to be a cap on scale. So, if you want to be able to scale a business, a real business, something much larger than just yourself, not only are you going to need all of those great systems in order, but you're going to need people. So, today, what we want to talk about is what it takes to make the leap from solopreneur to CEO. Now, before we do that, I think it's pretty important to say that not everyone should make the leap from solopreneur to CEO. And furthermore, uh, being a CEO is not any in any way better than being a solopreneur. I know dozens, countless numbers of individual business owners, solopreneurs, freelancers, independent contractors who make a great living, make a tremendous amount of money, have a lot of freedom and flexibility, and have designed the life that that they want, not only for themselves, but for their families and future generations to come. But for those who are looking to take that step from the individual to the business, these are going to be the differences in what you will be doing and how you
2: need to think. So it... Really, I, I think the, the overarching theme, the first thing you want to do really is, is you want to learn to let go, right? And when you're running a business, you can't do everything. In fact, you know, the whole point of building a business is so that you don't have to do everything. Now, there might be at, at first some similarities between the solopreneur and the CEO where they, they have to do everything until the infrastructure gets built to where they can let go. Right. Let go of some of uh, some things there. And I think this this is probably the hardest thing
0: for business owners to do because businesses Oftentimes, if you've started that business, it's your baby. it is you know you talk about, hey, we do this for our families, but that business becomes a part of your family, right You treat it like a child, you spend so much time with it. So I think this is oftentimes the hardest thing to do is to let go and to delegate and to remove the emotion or the control
2: aspect of what you're doing. Have you thought about this in your own practice? I, I know I have I, I think about it all the time and it is it is so hard to let go and what we're really talking about is delegating right it's hiring employees and having people do the whether it's accounting or marketing or whatever it is but when you've got that vision in your head i find it incredibly hard to to let go and give someone else the responsibility of doing what i feel is the is the, is the vision of where the company's going well here here's the problem here's
0: why most people struggle with this is because as a business owner as you're doing this business you have a standard at which you're performing tasks or you know certain certain things that it takes to run that business and in getting somebody you know hiring somebody or bring somebody on board to, to be able to do that task they will never be able to complete it at 100% meaning the same exact standard that that you are currently doing But what you realize is you don't need somebody at 100%. Oftentimes, you only need somebody at 75 or 80%. And and the reality is that people struggle, right? Business owners struggle with that small margin because they're seeking that perfection. And now, don't get me wrong. You need to have high quality delivery of your product or service. You need to have efficiency. It needs to be streamlined. But let's say you're you're making calls or writing emails as one of the tasks that that you're doing as a customer service type function of your business reaching out to your to your clients and your consumer base does that something that you need to do or does your Customers and clients just need to hear from the business and you need somebody to be able to find the time, whether it's 30 minutes or hours, to be able to create those and, and send those out or pick up the phone and make the phone call. Will they make the phone call as good as you? Probably not. Will that action, that task still be just as impactful to your client? Yes, absolutely. Right.
2: right. So, you know, again, what we're talking about is letting go in in favor of scalability. That's right. One of the things
0: I heard from a great business leader friend of mine, he always used to say, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, you're going to need people. And Dan Sullivan of Strategic Coach, he wrote a book years ago called Who Not How. And the whole concept of this was centered around the ability to get hyper growth into your organization, whatever your organization may be, is all centered around people. People will always be your greatest resource. So more so than timing or money or you know what industry or anything else, if you have the right people inside of your organization, they will accelerate faster and further than you could have ever dreamed or imagined.
2: Yeah, and, and that's a good point because... You know, we're gonna get into you know some some other things like systems, processes, uh, processes, and automation, right? So one of the key differences of the solopreneur and the CEO is that the solo person is not building to scale. There's gonna be there's gonna come a time when there's a cap on resources in order to grow the business. And the usual culprit is that time we were just talking about. So systems allow workflows to happen more efficiently. It also allows the owner to hire people to complete tasks and functions. So that delegation again, right? And training is easier, freeing up more time for the owner to focus on building more profitable systems to scale more. That's right. So you
0: think about what it takes from inception to, the end of a consumer relationship with your business and this is for the listener out there so that does not begin when you sign a client or they first you know buy your product or service that first begins when that very first touch point when they first hear about you in the very you know beginning of the marketing cycle so whether you're sending out mailers whether you're doing digital marketing or or television or radio advertising or whatever that that may look like What is the process you're using to capture follow-up and now once a person decides to buy, how are they onboarded into your system? How are they paying? What is that? Is that process easy for them to be set into your system? Is it, is it easy for them to get access to the product or service that they're, they're looking for? If this is an ongoing relationship, meaning sometimes businesses are very transactional, you buy a product and maybe there's a repeat, but a lot of times these service-based businesses are very relationship-based. It's you know It could go on for a year or multiple years. or multiple generations. So, how do you now begin to implement an automated process so that you can ensure that your clients are getting a high level of service and then be able to insert people who can accomplish tasks for you that may not be as high a dollar value as what you would put on your time, the CEO? So that's where systems and automation really become very uh, valuable. And it allows you to start getting that hockey stick, you know, looking sort of growth curve in your your business, because now you you can just figure, hey, when I can afford to bring more people in, then that's when I can get X result out of the other side of this machine.
2: Absolutely. So, you know, what we're really talking about, too, is is the next step of how you grow the business from a a one-man show, one-woman show. Right to to a a business that's being managed, right? And solopreneurs tend to to imitate, right? right? Not always, right? But um, you know, there's there's some there's some innovation there. But entrepreneurs generally innovate, um, and depending on the industry, of course. But there's there's some tried and true methods of success with the well, solopreneurs I, versus. Yeah, and I think
0: that's you know, that's it, right? So solopreneurs they find an industry or an opportunity that is proven to be successful. Meaning, listen, running a business and being a business owner, no matter what you do or what industry you work in, it's not easy. Anybody out there who has done it knows it takes a lot of work. But if you can identify a space, hey, if I do this and I put in X amount of work and I can you know, build up my following, if I can reach so many people, if I can offer my services to a thousand people I know, of them will convert. Here's what my my profit margins are. I'll make this many dollars. So a lot of times, solopreneurs are just looking at well-defined methods that have already proven to be profitable, and they're trying to replicate and create more efficiency within that model to maximize the amount of money they can make or to maximize the amount of time and freedom that they have in their life. Opposed to when I look at a lot of true entrepreneurs, they're innovators. They are literally forging their own path. They're doing things that nobody's ever thought of or done before. I think about, everybody says today they want to be the Uber of, you know, fill in the blank, whatever industry you work in. <laughs> right. But when Uber was was creating their business, I mean, this was, this was revolutionary. People never thought this way before. And I think there was a lot of big risks that they were taking of, hey, you're going to call a stranger? to come to your home to pick you up and to drive you to another destination, or even better yet, I'm gonna call a stranger to take my child or my mother (laughs) to another destination. Now, well, this is know, I, this is common practice today, right? We all we all have used them. We all, uh, you know, we jump in an Uber. You're probably listening to this podcast in an Uber right now. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but but you know, I think about that, that risk, that level of innovation, that level of vision and thinking that it takes for an entrepreneur to say, you know what? Yeah, we've we've always done it like this. We've always had taxi services, and we've always had drivers just roam in the streets waiting for somebody to raise their hand and, and hail a cab or call into the dispatch and, and have one sent to their home. But we're going to do this in a completely different way, which I right. think and is the the true the true difference.
2: I think that's entrepreneurship to a T. There should be kind of a differentiation, though. It it is on a continuum, meaning that the taxi cabs did exist, right? But Uber built a better mousetrap, right? And and that exists in a lot of businesses, but there are pure entrepreneurs, which I would classify as those people that came up with a product or service that had never been thought of at all. Sure. You know, right? Yeah. and And so for the listener today, here's what I would say.
0: Take a look at your calendar. Your calendar is going to be a great indicator of of how you are building your business, or even if you're building your business. And take a look at how much time you're working in the business versus how much time you're working on the business. And a lot of entrepreneurs I talk to, a lot of CEOs, a lot of business owners, they're spending just as much time working on the business, meaning thinking about the systems, thinking about, hey, what are my biggest risks moving forward? What are my biggest competitive advantages and my competitive disadvantages? And working on the business, how can I grow? Are there new sources of revenue? Are there new areas I can move into? Opposed to just doing what you're doing, which are going to limit your thinking, and your ability to scale and grow. And,
2: and given the pressures that we talked about before uh, and the difficulty of being a solopreneur, Andrew, I, you know, you know this as well as I, you have to set aside the time, which is difficult because you want to keep your business afloat. You want to keep it successful. You want to keep it growing. But if you're not working on the business, and setting aside that time, you're never going to grow to the scale that you, that you presumably want to, right? Again, there's nothing wrong if you don't want it to grow to that scale. But, but if you want the business to truly grow, you have to allocate the time and resources to work on the business. That's right. So the next thing I want to talk about is branding.
0: So, I know branding, it's talked a lot about today, especially in in the marketing world, marketing channels, but as a business owner, branding is paramount. Branding is, I would say, almost everything. And the ability to create a brand around what it is you do and have a brand be able to tell the story of why you are doing, when you think about, for example, one photographer, versus another. So let's say you're, you're listening to this, you're a photographer. And what is the difference between what what that delivery mechanism, what your product or service is, versus anybody else who, who's out there doing the same thing? Okay, you can say experience or maybe quality or, or things like that. But really, what I think is the most important thing is to be able to develop a brand so that when somebody thinks of photography. When somebody thinks of hairstylist, when somebody thinks of their accountant, they're thinking of not just you, but your brand, what you represent, why you do and who you do it for. This this to me is one of the biggest missing pieces in solopreneurship versus entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurs understand that their brand always will be bigger than themselves. Uh, let's use some some kind of cool examples. Uber Right? Many people know the, the name Uber, but does everybody know who the founder of Uber is? Probably Actually people. Kutcher? In, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Probably people in the business world. But right. but not, not everybody who's using the product each and every day. Right. A few times you'll get you'll get entrepreneurs like your Jeff Bezos, like your Bill Gates, like your Steve Jobs, who just you know supersede the brand in themselves because of something they built is so large. But for a lot of really successful, very large companies, the brand is on the forefront the owners the founders the the leaders of that are really secondary and what they prioritize is is that brand and it's synonymous with what their business does and who it does it for
2: yeah and and this can be so simply seen to your point with with you know Bezos and Amazon in the tile of the app right the Amazon app you see that brown tile with the smile you oh, know that's Amazon Nike, whatever, whatever it is, you don't, you might not know the the CEO of Nike, but you know that swoosh swoosh symbol and it's synonymous with the brand.
0: That's right. Even, you know, what's really interesting about branding and how you brand, there, there is so many ways to do it. I think logos are really important, as you alluded, right? The smiles and the the swoosh sign and things like that. But also I think about sounds. When you turn on Netflix and you hear yes. that dun, dun, dun you know exactly what you're turning on and it's become a, almost a comforting familiar sound that I'm about to relax. I'm about to unwind. I'm about to, you know, watch some, something entertaining Uh, that has become its own form of branding and a very important branding. And that, that audible version of of marketing and branding is I think the next big wave.
2: Well, it, I think it's been like that for a while, and Andrew, I'm 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 laughing under my breath here because the combination of the the audio and the visual, I never got so excited as when I heard Hong, from HBO right before Game of Thrones was ready to come on on Sunday night. That's right. it, it's, it made my and it was seeing it and you know I, I you know it's the HBO symbol there and that sound and it's like game on here we go right <laughs> That's it. So m- most
0: solopreneurs that I, I talk to either invest too little or in the wrong areas of their business and one of the areas that is usually underinvested in is branding branding, branding, branding and focus on the brand of the business over just the brand of yourself and and again, there's nothing wrong with promoting yourself as a business just know that you will then become synonymous with that business and it will be hard to remove yourself as you want to scale and you want to
2: grow absolutely right and and you know there's branding's important i think a lot of the little things that entrepreneurs overlook are, are also important when you combine them it can really take up a lot of your time right you've got you've got considerations of office space, where you're going to be located, if it's even necessary to have an office, HR, right? The human resources part of this. If you're not, you know, depending on the size of your business, right? I I, I don't know what the number is. Let's say if you've got 50 or more employees that you need an HR person, if you got under 50, you got to deal with payroll, benefits, Insurance, workman's comp, insurance for the office, insurance for the office equipment, insurance for the, you know, the vehicles that you're using, you know, there's just so much to it, you know, and and I've dug in and I, I found it daunting at first but then once everything's kind of set up, I go, okay, you can put stuff on auto pay, but you still have to make those decisions as a business owner, right? Of, of where you're going to be located. And do you have enough room to expand, right? If, right? if that's if that's what you want to do, right? So, you know, if you get into an office and it's just, you know, it's just you and you're not thinking of two, three years down the road of growing the business, it's like the fishbowl idea, right? If you, if you buy a goldfish, it's never going to get bigger than the bowl it's in. That's right, and that, that's that's probably a great bonus, uh, <laughs> you
0: know, additive right there. Bonus you, you analogy. Be, well, you need to be forward looking, right? Right. And, and thinking that most business owners are planning for where they're at today, when really you should be planning for where you're going to be at in six to 12 months. And this could be in terms of your staff, your space, your systems, your technology. So where are you going to be six months from now? Because when you when you reach that, that place and you reach that destination... You wanna be able to handle the capacity, whether it's the sales orders, the production needs, the the servicing, whatever that looks like for your business, plan for where you're going, not for where you, you are today.
2: And, and Andrew, if I could backtrack for just a second, at the beginning of this conversation, you have to consider if you want this, right? That's right. Because it's not for everybody. Business ownership, whether it's a solopreneur or a CEO, it seems very romanticized when we see friends, family, or people in the news doing this. They look a little more relaxed because they don't have the same pressures maybe that you do working for the, a company and being an employee, but the time consumption is infinitely more by being a business owner, right? And, Absolutely. And there's, kinda, there's no getting out of it until... The long term, once you set up the infrastructure and have the automati- automation and grow it to the point where it's, it's, a, it's a, a well-oiled machine that can run without you, you're going to be doing a lot of work. And that work might not be the actual business itself, like we said, being in the business, right? The the work might translate now to growing the business. That may be the most important point
0: of this entire podcast, You know, let's timestamp this. But listen, anytime you can work for yourself, it's a great thing. The biggest key is going to be self-awareness. So know what you like, know what you dislike. So many solopreneurs actually make more money and have a better lifestyle and more freedom than a lot of entrepreneurs. And this decision is ultimately going to be a lifestyle decision guided by what makes you happy versus what you think you need to do or you know the glamorization of entrepreneurship or business ownership which happens a lot in our culture today
2: our goal on dollars and sensibilities is really it's to expand the conversations you're having when it comes to your financial life think about it if you're if you're stuck in a job and you want to go out on your own do the research is it worth it what do you have to do to do what you're doing now for yourself and will you be happy with that? Or do you want to grow it? And and all the considerations we just talked about in, in growing it, right? So if you found today helpful, interesting, entertaining, do us a favor, please like, subscribe, leave a review, helps us spread our message and help more people. Once again, I'm Andrew Martz. And Bill McBride. We'll see you next time. Cheers.
1: Thank you for listening to the Dollars and Sensibility podcast. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can join us for each and every episode. Follow us on social media at WIS Advisors and be sure to check out our website at wisadvisors.com. Tune in for the next step on the bridge between dollars and the mind of the sensible investor. Thanks for listening. Bill McBride and Andrew Martz are Investment Advisor Representatives and registered representatives with Western International Securities Incorporated. All the opinions expressed by Andrew, Bill and all podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Western International Securities. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Western International Securities may maintain positions discussed in this podcast.